Jonathan Jana to Lawrence. Played through for Fuller. Fuller's beaten Larson here. And Ricardo Fuller has scored for Stoke. Ten minutes to go. And it could yet be a celebratory night in the Potteries. Uh, welcome to the Wizards of Drivel podcast, episode 17. Now, uh, David is away this week, and like the reluctance to include Gianelli Imbula and Ramadan Sobi into the matchday squad, we're not going to tell you why. Uh, so, for this week, I am your host, Chris Brammer. Now, it's been an interesting few weeks for Stoke, with the likes of Marko Anatovic and Joe Allen shining in international football, only for the fear of injury to the Welshman, along with recurring injuries to Glenn Johnson, and a setback for Jack Butland, bringing more fear to Stoke fans before Saturday's fixture against Sunderland. Uh, that being said, Joe Allen did feature, and it was the Welshman who was so crucial for us in what was a 2-0 win, yes, a win, over the Black Cats. Uh, to look back, celebrate and discuss this, I am joined by two regulars. First off, from the wizardsofdribble.com, Jason Martin, how are you doing? I'm good, I'm good. Excellent. And from Burpit TV, Tom Thrower, how about you? How are you feeling? Uh, ecstatic. It's good <laughs> to wake up with a win. It's a surreal feeling, isn't it? After so many podcasts, to finally <laughs> be able to talk about a win. Yeah, it's bizarre. It's bizarre. It's bizarre. Right, well, let's let's get straight into it then, um, guys. We beat Sunderland 2-0 yesterday, uh, for those we're recording on a Sunday. Uh, so we beat Sunderland. We got our first league win of the season. Um, now, I work in a secondary school. That's my job. And when we're assessing kids' work, we do a... We call it WWWEBI. What's worked well and your even better ifs. Jason... What do you think worked well yesterday? We scored and didn't concede. I think <laughs> was a was a good point. No, I don't know. It was they played their normal game pretty much against a team which, for all intents and purposes, were abysmal. It's probably the worst Premier League team we've seen in a long time play Stoke. Um, a few of the chances that we got. Maybe or maybe not would have got against better size, but you can only beat who you who you're up against. And the link-up play showed a lot of more promise of Allen and Arnautovic are forming a good partnership. The return of Shakira as well gives it a sort of third dimension to the attack. And Wilfred Bonney sort of is slowly growing more into the target man role, albeit he's probably at a Sadibi level rather than a Fuller at the moment. <laughs> Um, still a while away before you, you expect them to bag a goal. But, yeah, they're, they're slowly learning their roles more in the team and there are a, few, there are a lot more chances created yesterday than in, a, in the previous matches, which was a positive. Um, so, yeah, that's what worked well. <laughs> Even better if he actually put a decent squad out, I guess. Some of the omissions which weren't at all a shock at this point, but... Obviously, Bojan's still on the bench. Mbula, arguably one of our best midfielders, not making the squad. Ramadan Sobi's omission, again, paving the way for such inspired substitutions like Charlie Adam, who's been poor this season, and John Walters, who's John Walters. Managed to, managed to land himself the prize award of worst um, rating on who scored at a 6.08 yesterday. <laughs> And was generally just... I mean, 
It's not that he was terrible because he stayed on side for one chance, which was a positive. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's the same again. Even better if we didn't, if the match didn't end at the hour mark when subs were made, basically. <laughs> I think I think that's a I think that's a fair a fair set of comments, and I think that your concerns are widely met by the the rest of the the Stoke base. Tom, um. Are you in? Do you agree with Jason? Do you think? Do you do you see anything different? Um, I'm not sure. I, I think initially I was. I've, I've been keen because Bonnie hasn't been scoring goals for Mark Hughes to roll out the full sign and to actually play Bojan for once because it's it's killing me every week that he doesn't start. But yeah, I think it's got to be. I agree with the whole no Imbula and no Ramadan. I suppose maybe it's because those two kind of footballers are like, I don't know whether you could call them like a luxury player at the minute because of the form we've been in and we've needed to have some stability. But then Charlie Adam and John Walters coming on in the 60th minute is the exact opposite of stability. <laughs> yeah, I don't buy the, the whole luxury argument anymore, to be honest. I, I don't know if the management do, but it's just... Sobby would have done more going back and forth than Walters would have. Imbula was the type of midfielder we should have brought on yesterday when we were 2 0 up. We needed to retain possession, sort of dictate the tempo, and basically control the game. And the best way to do that is on the front foot. And that's what Imbula gives you. Adam is good for, I guess, the moments of creating chances, getting the ball from A to B really quickly, which is great if you're chasing a game or need to make a breakthrough, but not the sort of match yesterday where we needed to hold on to possession and control the game. And once again, we saw Stoke's last 25 minutes just seeing out the game largely sort of penned into our own half with the odd break here and there, and it just sort of kills the enjoyment of the match, really. So I don't think that argument would stack up and I, I honestly don't know why it's not being used why he's relying on the old guard especially when they're playing when they featured so poorly overall but I get your point on Bojan I don't know where he fits in anymore and <laughs> I guess that's the hole that they've dug themselves into Joe Allen's been excellent in midfield and he's sort of an all an all action midfielder going back and forward and it's just created a mess of a midfield to be honest for all for all the good it's done that, that yeah, that I mean that kind of brings me on to my next point because for the you, we wouldn't you don't want to re- remove Joe Allen from the position he's currently playing at the moment because he's the one who's grabbing us the goals and uh, without he he has clearly been our, our star player um, so far this season. But I mean the the midfield if we say the midfield three of Whelan, Cameron, and Joe Allen is that really the best midfield that that Stoke has? Um, it's working, obviously. It's work- we we got a draw at United. We've beaten Sunderland, but um, I don't know. Is what what would be a, what would be a, a viable alternative? Do you think? I've seen some people suggesting, and it's probably one that I think might work. Um, sort of a like a Man City or a Tottenham esque four one four one with like four attacking midfielders but expecting them all to do a bit more defensively. And I don't know if I think that's that's the best way forward, just because I want to somehow squeeze Bojan into that team. <laughs> yeah. But I think it could work. But I, I feel in, like... In, in that situation, then, who is the, the who is your defensive midfielder and who is the two who sit in the centre? So it'd be Jeff Cameron sat in front of the defence and doing 
very little else mm. apart from just sitting in front of the defence. And then with Allen and Bojan in front of him, in, it could work. Interesting, but then, interesting. Mm, but then, I, I, and then is, well, then is there any place for Imbula in your team? I, 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 no, and it's <laughs> heartbreaking because he is one of my favourite footballers to watch. <laughs> I've never seen a Stoke centre midfielder pick the ball up and just sort of, he has that Arnautovic-like ability to look at an opposition player and just almost in his head be laughing thinking yeah good luck tackling me mate <laughs> yeah it's it's weird because when we when we bought him back in january it did seem to be like that oh finally we've got the player who whilst he isn't a light for light replacement of Nzonzi, at least he fills that hole now that driving force in midfield um I, I I couldn't tell you what's been happening behind the scenes but obviously he's some way out of favor whether that's because of him, Mark Hughes, just not liking the way he plays or, or what, I, I don't know. Um, but it just seems very... He, I mean, this is our record signing and and he doesn't even get in the team. Does that... Is that a damning uh, indictment of Mark Hughes not knowing what, <laughs> what to... how to get the best out of some players? I, I'm reluctant to complain because we won a game and, and it's worked and... Yeah, but... I'll happily complain. It's ridiculous <laughs> because it doesn't. It smacks of you don't know what you're signing in terms of mm. Imbula, in terms of Allen. Allen's been I, sort of cemented himself as the best midfielder yeah. this I, season, I, I but we're far too reliant on him doing absolutely everything, especially yes. when he's got a hamstring injury in the yes. background. And you know what Stoke are like with injuries nowadays. <laughs> it's one twinge and that's it. There's no backup plan, there's no structure, there's no set plan in midfield now it's just Allen and two others basically now you take Allen out with an injury and the midfield's as much of a mess as it was before he arrived there's no system to it and in terms of what midfield three you'd put in there doesn't necessarily need to be one holding man if you've got two who are capable of going back and forward like Cameron and Allen are if both of them are dynamic enough to go from box to box you can have someone like Mbula in there who can control play or even Boyan who can attack now, Boyan's issue is that Alan's doing the attacking as well, and he's going from end to end, which sort of negates the need for Boyan in that instance. And it's what I said a couple of weeks ago, where basically Alan's versatility is keeping two players out of the team when ideally he's been signed to replace the third one in Whelan. <laughs> so if he gets a midfield three where two are able to do the defensive and attacking work like Drinkwater and Kante did for Leicester last season then it frees up a third role for, to have a bit of creativity with Mbula or Boyan. But it's not going to happen, basically. So I don't know what we're having this conversation. It's basically just going to be probably the three at the moment <laughs> for the foreseeable. And that's that. I mean, the logic is, oh, the performance is going well. We've won a game. It's a big deal. We've stopped the rot against Man United and... You know, unbeaten in three games. But that's sort of the argument that this is as good as it's going to get. What if, oh, what if the team we put out with different players perform better? Like, obviously we won't know, but there shouldn't be the, oh, well, this we've drawn against Man United, therefore this is the best team we have. It should be purposeful sort of team selections based on the opposition. And it should be willing to put some players in rather than just sticking with what, has worked to stop the rot basically they need to be aiming a little bit higher and it's the same with substitutions as well thinking i saw some people say that oh walters and adam 
and Muniesa came on and oh what we saw the game out what are you complaining about but that's like to say that's the ceiling of what they could have done is ridiculous like imagine if we'd brought it in Bouleron and controlled the game on the front foot and weren't nervous with balls being pelted into our box for the last 15 minutes what if we'd brought on say Juf up front instead of Walters and actually stretched the game a bit more things like that to say that what we did was the best we could have done is just daft I also think Mark Hughes has somehow destroyed Gianelli and Bula's game. Because if you go back to his stats at Marseille and to an extent at Porto, sort of they read as a as as like Joe Allen as a box to box midfielder who contributed just as much to the defensive side of the game as he did to the attacking side. Whereas under Hughes he seems to be this sort of centre midfielder who's reluctant to run into his own half. I, I, and I think it, it has to come down to someone telling him mm. that's how you you're, that's how you're playing for us because his natural game seems to be picking the ball up from the defence, spinning around, and then distributing <laughs> it to the attackers. Yeah, and it's exactly what he did very well for large portions of last season and even the start of this season. So I've go back to Middlesbrough; he was one of the the best players on the pitch. And I don't buy that it's just sort of changed overnight. I don't know what's going on, like. Yeah, I don't know what's going on basically, and it's just daft that we've got, for once, we've actually got really good players who can't get in the team, while others who should probably be on the fringes keep their place. It is frustrating because we've got <laughs> one of the best squads, if not the best squad we've ever had in the Premier League, and the better players aren't getting a look in. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think you, you both raised some really, really <laughs> interesting points surrounding it. Then, if I can just like. If we look at our defence, though, um, and just talk about that for a minute, because I think one of the things, obviously, we, we kept a clean sheet this week, which is um, incredible. But I'd like to point out that Bruno Martins Indy has actually had quite a good... Well, yesterday, I thought he played a very good game. Shawcross as well. Um, but do you, do you think that Bruno Martins Indy is coming into a good... Well, he, he's got used to it now, and he's he's going to be a good sign-in for us this season? I'd say so, I've, but I'll let Tom yeah. explain. <laughs> yeah, I, I, sorry. I've really liked Indy this season. Um, I think he's he's that ball-playing defender that we wanted, and for some reason it never worked with Wolshide, whether it be because he was a right-footed person playing in a left-centre-back position, or just people found it funny how he ran on the ball, so he therefore didn't take him seriously. But Indy's been making some really good moves and he is a solid footballer as well. I think the the one that sticks out was that ball he played. It was a long ball, but it was sort of a 60-yard driven pass straight up the field. And it was sort of like, oh, okay, yeah, defenders can pass the ball <laughs> rather than just aimlessly sticking it in the air. And defensively, I haven't seen any problems with him, really. Um, yeah, yeah, it's... Worth mentioning, he got um, he topped the chart for ball recoveries yesterday with ten, which is higher than Jeff Cameron in ninth and Papi Gilliboggi in eighth for Sunderland. So he led the way there. I think it works well. He's got the the passing ability that Walshard had, but what he has over Walshard is his athleticism basically, and that's what sets him apart. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's helping Shawcross as well, who's not necessarily been the most mobile this season since recovering. So to have someone who's got the speed and legs and strength alongside him has definitely helped both of them out to sort of lighten the load. And I think it's 
I think it's one area of the team that is sort of solved for the foreseeable. Now the challenge is going to be sort of converting that to a permanent deal before things start going yes. wrong. <laughs> but was was that not? Uh, do we not have a, a clause to buy in that? Isn't that the simple one? It's Lee Grant <laughs> who we're going to struggle with because Derby are going to ask for two hundred and fifty million for him because he's the greatest goalkeeper to ever live. Yeah, rightly so. <sighs> I think I think the back five. Well four of the five are sorted now it's a it's a shame that Johnson's out for a few more weeks and Bardsley's hobbling off you're sort <laughs> of getting the slow sinking feeling that we got last season when there were injuries galore again and I think that right back is probably needs to be an area that's going to be addressed in January mm-hmm. yeah. but yeah overall the defence looks a lot more settled I don't think I have a comment on Eric Peters now because apparently he was brilliant, but I barely saw him yesterday when all the <laughs> Sunderland balls forward were coming down his wing and he was nowhere to be seen. So <laughs> oh, uh, He made the most tackles and interceptions. Would have made um, even more if he was in position. <laughs> <laughs> it was just it was lost. I thought Arnautovic was playing left back for most of the first half. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, I'm 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 feeling that defensively we're actually it's weird to say just coming off one match but i thought yesterday we were we seemed very very solid uh, there was the um shawcross in uh, block that he did on defoe that really reminded me of shawcross back back at his best yeah and, that was excellent yeah and and it was weird that yesterday the the creeping doubt never really came into my mind like sunderland had they they had some opportunities but i never felt like Oh God, we're going to throw this away, or which I had felt in games in the past, um, which was it is a relief. Um, just you mentioned injuries to Glenn Johnson, um, and obviously I, I I do agree. I think that probably right back is a position we should look at in the uh, the January window. Um, oh, <laughs> I want to go on a little bit of a rant, but before I do so, I will come back to the right-back thing in a minute. If you have any idea of who you'd like us to target in terms of right-back, get thinking about that now, because I will come back to it. But I, I, I really want to have this rant, and I feel that this is a nice place to, to do so, because in the week it got announced that Jack Butland has, featured, has, has, has suffered a setback in his recovery. Now, what really annoyed me about this was um, there was a, a, a section of Stoke fans who took this as a Jack Butland has suffered uh, almost like a relapse. He's injured himself again, and and, and th- there was basically a, a non-understanding of how recovery from injury works. To the point where one person was saying we should stop paying Jack Butland until he stops pretending to be injured. Um. Yeah. That'll do it. Yeah. That well. That'll do it. Oh. It, it, it stressed me out because, like, I, I'm lucky enough. I've never broken a bone in my body. I do have a good friend at work who broke his leg in a football injury, and it takes ages to come back. And yes, doctors can predict that. Oh yeah, I think you'll be at this stage in four weeks. But things can change, and other things can impact that, and recoveries can take longer or shorter amount of time. Um. And I don't think people realise that. I think people think, all right, well, they said he was going to be ready in in five weeks. Why isn't he ready? Um, like like as if there's a, it's like on a computer game and you're just waiting for the progress bar to finish. Right, he's back to full strength. We'll use him again. And it really stresses me out that people are thinking that all night that, that players who are injured are faking it. Like, I know that this has completely gone off on a tangent, but 
do you, do you guys get my frustration? At, why would why would Jack Butland be faking an injury? Well, it's obvious that he's doing it so no one will sign him, and he's just been dragging it on for eight months just to make sure. I think that <laughs> the the threat to cut to cut off a footballer's electricity is never really going to happen, isn't it? So, <laughs> yeah, it's just basically he's been injured. There was surgery. He's got back to he's pretty much got back ready. There was a setback. He's had a little minor up, and there's another setback. It is frustrating, and he hasn't played for us in eight months. So I think when you put that and Glenn Johnson and Affleye's injuries together, it's been quite a funny year for injuries. Particularly long-term ones. But to be honest, I forget he exists, which is terrible, because considering <laughs> he's our best keeper in years, I've, I've almost erased him from memory, which is terrible. You just sort of get on with whoever's on the pitch now. Well, that's it, and I do, and I think that Lee Grant has come in, and at least over the last two games, he's been. At, well, yesterday he had barely anything to do, but he's he's been steady and a rock for us in that position. So I don't really have any fears over goalkeeping. It is, however, the right back position that I do worry about because I think Glenn Johnson, I think Glenn Johnson as a player is head and shoulders above the other right-backs that we have. This isn't to disrespect Phil Bardsley, but I think that Glenn Johnson brings something completely different to the team that Phil Bardsley doesn't. Which So so my question that I set up earlier, who who do you think Stoke should be targeting as a replacement right-back? Because Glenn Johnson isn't getting any younger, neither is Phil Bardsley. Jeff Cameron is also... Is Jeff, Jeff Cameron over 30 now? 31, is, yeah. Yeah, so we're, we, we don't really have any young players in that position. What where where should Stoke be looking? I'd like to see if me and Tom come out with the same name now. <laughs> if it's not Kyle Norton. Oh no. <laughs> I was gonna go for Kieran Trippier. But... Yeah Kieran Trippier was my second option, but I just thought it might be a bit easier to get Kyle Norton from Swansea because they seem to have a obsession with selling all their good players at the minute. So <laughs> And I think with someone like Kieran Trippier, if he comes to a club like us, he's going to be getting quite mardy if he isn't starting. And I think Glenn Johnson would still start ahead of him. He shouldn't, though. So, like, if Trippier is good enough, then there should be a settled a settled defence. Johnson, Johnson is good, but he'd be a perfectly solid backup. But, yeah, honestly, we need a first a first choice one. Well, Johnson would be good. But if he has to move down to standing, if we can get a regular first choice in, he's going to contribute sort of 35, 38 games a season, then that should be the priority. It's like it's like Eric Peters on the other side, I guess. You wouldn't bring someone in to be his under understudy at this point. If you were going to upgrade the back four, it'd need to be someone who comes in as first choice and let them battle it out. Mm-hmm. I don't think Trippier with Mardi, given he's barely had a kick at Spurs, he'd be happy to sort of get a handful of games. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't yeah, think, for, right. for what it's worth, I don't think they'll address the right back role in January. Which is kind really? of, which is yeah. kind of a shame. It's because... far too logical. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we'll buy another midfielder. That's what we'll yeah. do. Yeah, or a forward. We'll finally get Lamina in. <laughs> no, we'll get Barahino instead. That'll solve it. Yeah. We, I'll 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 lead that on then because you you two have famously well say famously like no, famous to me um you you've had traditionally opposing views in terms of how you would want the team to sit up 
uh, set up. Tom, you were all in favour of the false nine, and Jason, you've been talking about having a nice target man up front like Boney. I'm sensing that there is you're not as ardent to your views as you were uh, in previous weeks. So yeah. I think there's a like, white flag uh, on each side now. <laughs> <laughs> like you, you just said there, Jason, that we'll probably go back for Berahino, and that's not going to solve a thing. Why? Why do you feel like that? No striker is going to score in this team because they don't play to the strengths. Started the season with Juve, who likes the through ball, likes to chase on, likes crosses into the box that he can, you know, score headers from. Given that he's our best aerial forward, and they play short passing to him. Bonnie arrives, they play, <laughs> they play through balls. They were slowly getting there with giving him balls to hold up yesterday, but even when he had an opportunity yesterday, I didn't expect him to score. And I don't know if it's just ingrained into me now that I don't expect Stoke Strikers <laughs> to score anymore. I'm just going to be relying on Arnautovic and Allen for the season. Yeah, they're just not playing to the strengths of the forward again. And if they put anyone else up front, I don't think they'd do the same. So I think there's a, there's a flaw in the system and how they're using the striker again it may it may come down to the midfield like Allen's getting better at linking up with the forward but he's expected to be everywhere in midfield and if he isn't there then the striker's isolated as he was in for a lot of yesterday and while he does need to do the hold up play this the attackers need to learn to make runs in and sort of feed off that and provide aerial balls into the box as well to think again to provide an example of what Crystal Palace are doing with Benteke, it's working really well and you just don't expect that to happen at Stoke Yeah. So the, the solution to no strikers playing good is to play no striker then <laughs> Problem solved <laughs> Yeah I don't I mean if uh, if he really wanted to deviate away from Bonnie, which I don't think he will now given yesterday was probably his best performance to date then the only thing I, I would see is that he would go false nine. He's not going to start Juve because he had the opportunity to for a whole year and didn't. So I think that Bayon would be the backup option, but he's not even getting a look in in midfield at the moment, let alone in attack. And when he's when he's in, it it'll be what his second, third appearance of the season. He'll be and he'll be expected to take up the reins and score to keep his place in the side. It's just a a not very good environment, really to try and test your strikers out in because there's a if the build-up play isn't good and the chances aren't getting to them then no one's going to score and we've seen it for numerous years I think we peaked at the our second season with Hughes when Juve was leading the line and there was a solid system in place there but since then it's just been going game to game and hoping for the best really yeah, Tom, are you do you do you agree with Jason now? What where are you at? Um, I, I, I understand where he's coming from, and last season did almost seem ridiculous in striker rotation, and it's somewhat ironic because Hughes was a striker himself and must understand that strikers don't need to just be changed every time they don't score. Um, but I think the the play against. Some of it, yeah, I'm totally in two minds because some, some of the play against West Brom and some of the play against United, we really used Bonnie as a strong hold-up man and we put balls into him and he sort of pushed the centre-back away and created space. 
But then at other times, we were expecting Bonnie to sort of drift wide and cover for Arnie or Shakiri on the wings. And it, it just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it feels like it would work better if there was two up top. Like someone someone to have near Bonnie to work off the strengths. Ideally, Bonnie and Juice, I guess, you'd have the the strength and the hold-up play, the flick-ons and Juice pace to get in behind. But again, it, it means two in the middle of midfield and who would you drop from that? And probably no one. So again, it's an idea that may not happen. So I don't, I don't know what the solution is here. I guess we're just going to rely on the midfield getting all the goals for the foreseeable <laughs> until something changes. Uh, or just buy another striker and hope that that fixes everything. Yeah, or something like that. <laughs> and then they get moaned well, out because they're not very good signings because they haven't scored because they haven't been supplied. And rinse and repeat. See, Juve, Hosselu. <laughs> every other striker we've signed in the last two to three years, basically. <laughs> oh, well. Well, I mean, on, on a positive, um, that puts us on six points now, the, the win on Saturday. We are no longer bottom of the league in terms of goal difference. We are now joint on minus nine with Sunderland. Um, we're in 18th place, so we're steadily climbing up the table now if i read to you our next set of fixtures before we play arsenal away on the 10th of december we have hull away next week followed by swansea at home west ham away then the international break before bournemouth at home watford away and then burnley at home on the 3rd of december what would be a realistic target for the stoke team in those matches obviously they're teams who we would hope to beat, I would presume. Um, what do you think? What's going to be a realistic target for this for this team? Bearing in mind our awful start, I think realistically you've got to say you can't lose any of those matches. Uh, and I know that's a massive ask to go, what is it, six or seven games without losing. Mm-hmm. But we've had, we started the season with eight awful results or seven awful results. Um, and it is at a stage where if we do want to finish at the right end of the table and we do want to carry on progressing, these matches against teams who none of them have found their feet totally in the Premier League yet, some of them are new and have had good performances and equally awful performances. And we've just sort of got to be the the, the team who have been in the Premier League for seven seasons and are experienced and just bully them into results. Yeah, I'm going to go 10 points from 18, I think. Three wins a draw and two defeats. That leaves enough room for the good form to continue while it leaves a bit of scope for Stoke to be Stoke as well. <laughs> so yeah, I think 10 points would be probably realistic. I mean, it'd, December looks a nightmare in terms of fixtures. Arsenal, <laughs> Southampton, Leicester, <laughs> Liverpool, Chelsea. But... Yeah, and they've, and they've moved the Boxing Day fixture now. So yeah. it's on the 27th, isn't it? Which, is, uh, which has gained a lot of anger from some well from most fans if honest yeah um right. we get we get better in the second half of the season so we've got to (laughs) see it through to a new year i mean december does look an awful awful month um so really it's quite crucial that we pick up some points in the next few games really and and hopefully push on up the table i i mean i'm looking at the table now i certainly and then this isn't to sound arrogant but I certainly think we're better than a lot of teams who are in the bottom half of the table I think we're better than the likes of Hull we're better than Burnley 
Um, I, I mean, I even think like the likes of Leicester, despite all the money they've pumped into it, I'm, I'm not. They're not having the best of seasons. We can, we can get wins against a lot of these teams. Um, it just depends on what Stoke team turns up, really, doesn't it? Yeah, oh, well. it's you look at De- you look at December's fixtures, and there could be a freak win in there, yeah, or a freak draw. But I would I would happily take an away win at Arsenal. That would be uh, fantastic. That'd be that's top of the list of things that are never <laughs> going to happen. <laughs> oh well, well, well let, let's try and be positive. We do think we're going to get some wins now, rather than go down. Da- do you think we're going to go down, do, or do we, or do we think we're fine now? I don't think I, think that... I don't think we'll go down, but I don't think we'll be. I think we'll be like bottom seven or eight. Yeah, I feel the same. Probably, I, I never thought we were going to go down, but then I also think us finishing ninth or above is impossible. It's yeah, it's. Um, I didn't think we'd be relegated, but there's still no plan to it. We're sort of just winging every week, and <laughs> you can't get to ninth. <laughs> like that and even like when we we had a questionable season last season but it, the league was at its weakest that it's probably been in a long time it's arguably flipped now to every side it's quite threatening the big teams mm-hmm. are as rampant and as dominant as you would expect now um, so the league's got a lot more difficult and we just happened to pick the one season where we look a mess, basically. So yeah, <laughs> I twelfth or thirteenth at best, I think. Well, that's, I mean that's quite a negative feeling to end the episode on, isn't it? I'm staying um, up. That's positive. We're staying. We're staying up. We've got a win. Um, so so in, yeah. In summary, then we're staying up. We've got a win. We haven't fixed all the problems, but it's nice to it's nice to get a win. Every now and again, isn't it? The bottom line is we've got <laughs> Joe Allen. No one else has, basically. Well, exactly. As as the people on Facebook and Twitter have said, this is Joe Allen's world and we're just living in it. Well, I, I mean, I think that kind of concludes us for this week. Um, obviously, I don't know. Let, let's go. Do you, before we go, shall I read out some, some Twitter reviews for you? We, we asked... We asked the, the Twitterati, the Twitter universe, uh, to give us their three-worded res- uh, reviews of the game. Um, at Stoker underscore says, perfectly executed performance. Uh, at Uch Stoker, dominant, energetic, better. Uh, still want Boyan. Jeff, dominator, Cameron. Uh, ben Rowley says, I only need two. Alan, party. Um... Fun to watch. We've got Jesus. Alan is God. Scoreline flattered Sunderland. Uh, and my favourite, Arn Autovich. That's three words, which is quite good. I think I think generally people are quite positive and may, maybe we should be too. Um, yeah, I think that's kind of, kind of round us up for this week. Um, Jason, is there anything that you'd like to promote or talk about before we go? And Goy scored again. Yes. In a 3-1 win. Um, Telford bagged the other two. And that's all I've really got for this week. (laughs) Who was that against, Jason? God, now you're asking. Um, (laughs) 
Um, Mid Middlesbrough. There Middlesbrough. you go. See, Excellent. he knows us better than we know ourselves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so everyone knows hashtag deploy and guy, obviously. Tom, is there anything you've written recently that you'd like to promote? Um, no, not really. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. In which case, then, where can people find you on Twitter? At Sussex Stokey. Excellent. And Jason, where can people find you? At SCFCJs. And you can find me at Bramard. Uh, you can follow the podcast at Wizards of Drivel. Um, just a big thank you then to everyone who downloaded and listened to our Europa League special last week. It's got a lot of nice feedback and uh, it was really nice to actually relive some of those memories. So um, so thank you to everyone who's uh, listened to that. Um, we will be back next week, hopefully, with um, David back from wherever he's gone. Um, and Again, hopefully, we'll be talking about a lovely, glorious 6-0 win over Hull. But, you know, when when do things ever go our way, hey? But <laughs> until next week, then, thank you for listening, and come on, Stoke!